I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of PurePleasureShop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to ShamelessSex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at PurePleasureShop.com. You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. How are you? Oh, great. How are you? <laughs> I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to them. Oh, Ooh, the dogs that are in here right no. now. People listening. Oh, hi, everyone. How are you doing? How is your springtime? Wouldn't it be cool if they could all just respond right now? And we, uh, we wouldn't be able to hear everyone. We'd have like hundreds of thousands of responses. It'd be like, <laughs> hey, everyone. Um, I thought so, you were asking how I was doing. I was like, that's so nice well, of you. Well, no, how are you, Chip? Really? Great check-in. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Cool. Me too. On a scale of <laughs> one to wonderful, I'm about a one. <laughs> We're both pretty tired today, but we still think we're funny, so that's cool. Okay, everyone, welcome to the Shameless Sex Podcast, your favorite podcast about sex and relationships. Uh, this episode, I'm actually been I have been wanting to do an episode on this for a while, and had so many questions about it and um, about what we thought was called sexual surrogate therapy, uh, but it's now called surrogate partner therapy, and uh, this is uh, what a lot of people would know of as someone actually legally getting paid to um, have intimate experiences with people, but we learned that there's so much more to it. It was fascinating. Fascinating. And I'm really grateful that this exists. Me too. And we need, we need more of it. You'll hear in, in the episode how how helpful this is for people, this profession, but there aren't a lot of people working in this profession. Not everyone can afford to hire a surrogate. So we personally are really passionate about this. So lots to listen to here. And, and this also has a lot uh, lots to learn about here. And it and isn't just about surrogate partner therapy there's some really good tips about your like your own self-work and self-love shame all kinds of lovely pieces so and lou is awesome it's just great to get information about topics that might not be well versed in other like other podcasts i don't think cover this either oh, yeah it's something that i learned about firsthand from interviewing lou sanfilippo and i didn't know anything about it before yeah this. we've talked about sex work which it's a form of sex work but yeah. it's very professional and it's also a form of therapy yeah and it's legalized you know there's that's unless you're live in nevada and you go to the bunny ranch um most sex work in the united states is is not legalized at this point so but it's it's, it's again there's so much more to it so stay tuned super interesting um if you all seen the movie the sessions from like 15 years ago i still haven't seen it with helen hunt with helen hunt oh yeah i added that to my list i want to watch it again it's so amazing and um, but it doesn't fully paint the like the full picture but anyways so stay tuned Very, really interesting insightful episode before i do sex questions just a little shout out to my other mom your mom i have a, an, a someone i call my other mom is my mom's ex-partner um she is starting a business called sisters productions here in santa cruz that is starting new lgbtq events meetups dances I 
I think even speed dating. And so I'm just giving a little shout out. She to created out of necessity because yeah, there, there was wasn't nothing th- like this before. Yeah. 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 Here in Santa Cruz, there just hasn't been a lot of that going on. So, so she created this shout out to Catherine. Yeah. I'm saying your name, but it's on your website. So I can, <laughs> um, and this is a little early, but this episode's coming out in April. But if you want to plan ahead for pride week in Santa Cruz in June, uh, they're having a, uh, sisters productions is having a dance for pride event, which is basically like a really fun dance. I think there'll be some drinks and stuff. June 3rd, 7:30 to 10 30 PM at motion Pacific, go to sistersproductions.net to learn more. I'm, I'm sure there's a newsletter or something you can sign up for to, and start going to some of those fun dances in Santa Cruz and meetups and fun things. All right. Uh, ready for sex question? Chippa. I am ready as I'll ever be. Okay. So this is written from a Volvo owner. <clears throat> I struggle with my own body and it's ruining my sex life. I'm very self-conscious about my body, specifically my stomach. So much so that even just touching it takes me out of sex. My partner can tell how it shuts me down and it kind of ruins any sexy time we're having. He tells me how beautiful he thinks I am, but I still struggle. How can I work past this so I can feel comfortable having sex, being naked and engaging in intimacy with my partner? It's a hard one. Yeah, yeah, definitely a hard one. I think a lot of people could probably relate to. I went through something like this when I um, was with my now ex-husband um, where I just had some major body. I mean, I've always had some sort of body issues. I think that's sometimes like being image, a woman. Yeah. Body image issues. Mm-hmm. But specifically, I had, you know, not been working out. I didn't feel good about myself at all. And I never wanted to be on top. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would be really uncomfortable being naked in mm. front of him at, at certain times. This was like a phase in the relationship. It wasn't like the whole relationship. It wasn't the whole relationship. It was probably midway through. Uh-huh. And I was just, I felt uncomfortable in my own body. Now I'm not saying this is exactly what I think maybe a lot of folks out there go through some form of this at some point, yeah. whether it's smells or, Oh, some, you, what, sometimes you feel uncomfortable. Oh my God, I'm sweaty after the gym or, Oh my God, I'm getting my period or, and, or my and, face is breaking out. Yeah. Penis owners can have the same thing. It's like, yeah, or, totally. Or yeah. I mean, body, image issues are so common i mean i i don't know I, I don't know can't say that there isn't like one person on this planet that doesn't have it because i'm sure maybe someone doesn't but i feel pretty confident in my body and i have little you things used to get weird about the prickles yeah remember? you were like oh my god so someone said something to you I, one time about prickly hair yeah and you were like freaked out about you it for a like, while what was the um my, my, my yeah, mustache upper lip hair yeah, i upper remember lip hair. because you're super confident in yourself but i'm saying it's not like you're not a no well there's little things i have yeah, yeah my little things little pieces there that and, I, and even you know sometimes i'll like look at my stomach and i'll be like you know, I want more of this or less of that. But this person was speaking. So I just want to say it's really common for, for people of all all humans to have some sort of body image issues. Um, and I also want to state this as um, I don't want to like say that everyone needs to be like fit and slim and um, because there's plenty of folks who love their curvy bodies and feel really sexy in their curvy bodies. But it's what's good for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's up. It's so it's what's good for you. So that's just wanted to kind of preface it with that. So this person saying though, they're self-conscious specifically about their stomach and they want to, so that doesn't feel good for them. So we'll speak to that person. Um, again, not saying that everyone has to have a perfectly flat stomach. And so one thing that came to mind in here was actually something that I wanted to have this question on this episode, because in the episode, Lou shares, remember the mirror exercise? Oh, right. Yeah. And, I, and so I won't go too deep into it, but it was a, because we talk about kind of mirror work on the 
podcast often, you know, looking in the mirror at yourself, um, you know, naked or maybe wearing something that if you, I, makes you feel a little more sexy if, in some way. And then focusing on the parts of yourself that you do love and, you know, finding those parts of yourself that you're like, okay, I, I, or that you like at least. And, that, and just really like practicing that. But Lou in the episode talks about this mirror exercise that actually involves being witnessed by a surrogate partner. But I feel like you could do it on your own where you look in a mirror and you're actually commenting on everything that you see from what you do love to the, to the details that you might not love, the stories that come up um, and you kind of go through all of these pieces and you're witnessed by someone else and it, Lou says that it's a really freeing experience. Um, so just that will be later on in the episode. And a lot of people, I think when they hear mirror work, they're like, mirror work, it sounds like bullshit. You know, I don't yeah. know. Have you tried it? Have you ever tried like, that did, like, or what did you do? I guess when you didn't feel good I, in your body. Well, it took me just really trying to focus on my my mind and bettering like myself through meditation i'm not kidding like i was like i am joy i am beauty i so yeah. uh it started with mind over my body and then i did i actually would look in the mirror i had these big mirrored doors though for my closet doors uh -huh. so it was really easy to sit on my bed and look straight into my body sitting on my bed and then just like grabbing the parts of my body that i didn't like and being like this is awesome though i and I did that a few times. Mm -hmm. I haven't done that in a long time because my mirror isn't as accessible in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, it was pretty effective after, not during. During yeah. could be really hard, but I never called it mirror work back then. I just called it like, April, you need to, I had you know, a few glasses of wine. I'm like, you need to love yourself because if you don't love yourself, how is anyone else going to love you? Yeah. I've, I've done similar things, not with a mirror, but with like touching certain parts of my body that I have judgment about. And like, you know, and generally that's like, you know, more me maybe meatier parts of my body. And like, just like, even if I don't believe it in my head, like, Oh, I love this part of me. I'm like, just saying, I, you know, I love you. Like, I love this yeah. part of me. And I don't even like, you know, grab at like the meaty parts that I like my thighs or my belly. The, you know, usually it's like, that's not what I want. If someone were to grab at that, I'd be like, oh, my God, they're grabbing at my fat. Well, you could also say thank you, stomach, for digesting my food. This, this person you, had two kids, too. Right. They had two kids. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for the womb, for holding my children. Yeah. Thank you for all of the work that you're doing for for helping me feel cozy when I, you know, need to feel cozy because you, you hold for for. There's so many different things because I hold a pillow around myself when I want to feel cozy. And uh, I kind of like when I don't know, like the feeling of having something to hold on to so it's squishy squishy a little nice squish yeah, yeah. There's, there's so these are the conversations that you can have with yourself and it's i mean it's, it's a practice too the other thing that came to mind for me is so your partner's telling you that you're beautiful but you just you can't take it in and that is like a pretty a clear nourishment barrier you know nourishment barriers when i'm like april you're beautiful and she's like no you are like that's a, you kind of bounce it off of yourself instead of absorbing it and taking it in deflection and so yeah because it can be uncomfortable especially if you don't believe it but every time your partner tells you that you're beautiful i would really like pause and notice what thoughts go through your head and try to see see how much of that you can absorb in and like be really intentional like and t take a moment and say, you know, thank you. And then like repeat it to yourself. Well, my partner said I'm beautiful. I am beautiful. Um, because you might not be absorbing any of that material that your partner's sending you that you're hearing. And then the other thing too, this is kind of edgy, but if your partner does think you're beautiful, isn't interested in supporting you in this and you're open to it, you can 
I invite them to maybe put their hand on your stomach or like rub your belly and tell you that you're beautiful and, you know, send love through their hand and through their heart as they're, and it sounds kind of wooey, but, and it, it might be really edgy. You might feel super uncomfortable. You, you might be like, no, no, I'm gross. I'm disgusting. This, and just like try to go, like not go with it, but receive. Um, because that can maybe help you with your nourishment barrier too. And, and then again, like you probably, and, and this is outside of sex because th- these are all things that you're doing that are like, this is affecting your sex life. But if you try these other practices outside of sex, then maybe in sex, you know, when your belly is showing or your partner touches your belly, you f- might feel more comfortable then. And then there's one last thing I was going to say, but do you have something else you want to say? Well, I think also if there's anything that, that you can do, uh, to love your body more, whether it's stretching yoga, whether it's so mind and body are really connected. And I think once you start focusing on things that make your body feel good. So then there's lots of different things. Nowadays you have access to YouTube. You can go and and Google different things and try different things in the comfort of your own home where you don't have to go to a studio where you feel uncomfortable. Uh, But maybe you like lifting weights. I I don't know, but doing the things that will make your body feel good. Mm -hmm. It'll all sort of trickle down yeah. upon itself and the belly is a hard one because that's all uh, especially when you've you've had children and if there's you know extra stuff that's like your body's not oh, dog dog break so we go that's uh, cool. i'm sorry yeah all good uh then then that could just be a that could just be a difficult thing to you don't have to get used to it but to to move through so finding movement of some sort dancing yeah i don't know whatever whatever it is that turns you on that lights you up it, yeah and the, uh, the other thing sorry the talks are going nuts right now the other thing i was gonna say is um stop looking at social media and or or magazines that show a whole bunch of skinny people you know or like imagery imagery of people that, that make you think i should look like that or make you bring up some feeling uh, that, uh, that you are not good enough you know like delete those profiles from your your feed if you're on instagram or facebook or block them or something or just don't or don't focus on them, you know, just try to keep those things out of your field because they really do, the imagery really does kind of paint this picture that there's this one way that buddies are supposed to be, which is bullshit. And it can definitely stir stuff up for you. So I think it's all, all a practice. And, um, and then with, you know, the, um, again, more you practice it elsewhere outside of sex, then it can hopefully trickle into your sex life and make your sex life more enjoyable with your partner. Um, and then, Oh, one last thing being naked it's a practice yeah we were born naked and then we get clothes on when we're kids we're told we're not supposed to be naked at some point and then later on being naked around strangers or part even for part around partners for a lot of people is really uncomfortable and it's getting through that discomfort practicing being naked and like just being uncomfortable for a while and you eventually can maybe find more comfort in it but it might take a little bit of time. This person's partner did watch them have children, so I'm sure there's there you go, yeah, more vulnerable, more vulnerable much more vulnerable things, yeah, you could be in, yeah, so. totally. But yeah, re- relatable, and um, yeah, hopefully that's a lot of information. Hopefully some of that helps. But listen to the episode because there'll be more tips in there for you. Here we go. All right, you ready for a bio? I am. Lou Sanfilippo is a human of several hats in the world of healthy sex. She has been an active surrogate partner since her training in 2015 and is also a licensed therapist. Lou is dedicated to advancing the field of SPT through her work with the Embrace Resource Group and is particularly passionate about increasing diversity in the field. A self-proclaimed sex nerd, Lou is always seeking knowledge through books, trainings, and interpersonal connections. To learn more, visit EmbraceSPT.org. 
All right, everyone, it is interview time, and we are here with Lou Sanfilippo to talk about sexual surrogate therapy. And I think, Lou, I see you already laughing. Did I say it incorrectly already? Lou, Yep, tell that's me. okay. I love it. Lou, tell <laughs> me, tell me, what are we talking, say. All right, right so we're talking about surrogate partner therapy. And right. while historically we used to call it sex surrogacy, I think the field was really misrepresented in the beginning. And over time, it became a much more accurate way to describe it, to call it surrogate partner therapy. So a lot of us feel pretty strongly about that at this point. Okay, that's good. That is great for you to actually correct us. I'm glad I fucked up in the I beginning. I know. That's, that, that <laughs> makes, Get it out of the way early. <laughs> let us know with how always, every time we start with shameless sex, we always start with the same question. And Amy, you did it right. But, well, well you know, we'll, we'll get I didn't the question. I was just like about to lead into the thing that Lou was sort of like, so we call it this. And I was like, um, we're, you know, we're already going to mess it up. We're so, shameless about yeah, it. We're yeah, shameless. we're shameless. So how did you get to where you are today in the field? I'm just going to call it the field of sexuality with an emphasis on surrogate partner therapy. But how did you get into this field? Yeah, well, as you know, I am also a therapist, master's level clinician different from credentialing as a surrogate partner. But I think it starts way back, right? Right in my entry-level mental health work, when I was working with kids and families, I became the token sexpert who was like truly in cubicles, like writing social stories for kiddos with autism about like, okay, families, this is how you talk to your kids about healthy masturbation practices, because there was so little support for healthy sexual development. It just became this glaring gap over the course of my work as a mental health clinician. Like fast forward, then I have my master's degree. I'm wholly in a different state doing different work. And I'm at a dinner party. And like my little raccoon ears hear this human talking about surrogate partner therapy. And I'm just like, who are you? I need to take you for coffee. I need to know all about this. And then was able to meet with him, talk to him, hear about his experiences. And I uh, went and trained with the same group with the International Surrogate Partner Association, International Professional Surrogates Association, IPSA, and absolutely went into it like, I don't know about this. This could be some shady shit. I'm going to go see what it's all about. And maybe it'll be solid. And it turned out super grounded in Clinical research in solid theory is really ethically managed. I was like, this is gorgeous. So now I run two different professions that both relate to supporting people in healthy sexual development. I don't think that you should ever do anything else because <laughs> your intro was probably the most captivating that I've heard. I think that that's really great. Like, especially when you use the term raccoon ears too. I was like, hey, what? What did you say? And when people, what, there are times we have buzzwords when you're in mm -hmm. the group setting you're like party setting yeah, wait, we so yeah. you're in a yeah. club somewhere i don't go to clubs anymore but you're like Back in the uh, day. wait did someone just say sex positivity yeah. or or <laughs> right. they said something about sex psychological well, I mean, body work right i hear the song of my people yeah, yeah. like wait wait what how do i you're my people yeah. wait, I, yes. want, I want more of that I yeah. love how you got into that too. Thank you. That that's a beautiful story, Lou. And um, yeah, so let's okay, let's dive more deeply into the surrogate partner therapy piece because that mm -hmm. can sound like a lot for someone like me that maybe is like, oh, I don't know, that sounds woo. I'm like, oh my god. So what does it look like, mm -hmm. and how does this work? 
Absolutely. My elevator speech. Surrogate partner therapy is folks who are having challenges around intimacy, which can be sex, can be more broadly relationships. But what brings them to surrogate partner therapy is that the typical clinical toolbox of work to do with a partner is not accessible to them because their anxiety or their trauma, whatever their barriers are to accessing healthy intimacy are so intense that they are unpartnered folks and have often historically been really unpartnered for long periods of time or have just gotten out of a super toxic relationship and are like, I don't trust myself to make a good choice about this. I need somebody safe to have a safe experience. The super cool part about surrogate partner therapy is it's done in a triadic model. And so your three people are your client, your surrogate partner, and then a supervising therapist. Right. And so as the work is being done, as a surrogate is meeting with a client, they are taking clinical notes just like a therapist would, sharing those notes with the therapist, having consultation calls with the therapist so that together you're collaborating. Like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? This thing showed up in session. What was it? Do you want to dig deeper? Can you check this out? And you get to see both from the inside of the relationship, the surrogate partner and the client, and then the therapist analyzes from the outside and provides that objective perspective. So it's just this super cool collaboration where you get insights from entirely different layers. So one thing I think that comes to mind, first of all, for a lot of people when they hear this is sex, or this is shameless sex. So they're like, are we talking about sex? We're talking about genitals, penetration, you know, mouths on sex. And then also this is uh, something, you know, most people don't have access to paying for therapy or sex therapy for free. So I guess not paying for it. So to some degree, are we talking about legally paying for sex? Like, can actual penetrative sex be a part of surrogate therapy? Ooh, you you threw me two questions at the same time. I'm going to tackle them one at a time. Legally paying for sex. Here's how that works. Surrogate partner therapy is legal. Bless you, Kamala Harris. When she was uh, DA in California, it was very clear that as long as it's between two consenting adults and there is a therapist involved who's supervising the work, not a problem. Beautiful, right? And so the way that surrogates speak about that is that you're not paying for sex. You don't get to show up and say, I want to get laid today. Here's $200. What happens is you're paying for a therapeutic process that might involve sex, right? And so from an ethical perspective, the day that you come and we talk about trust and communication for two hours, you're paying the exact same rates as the day you come and we're like, okay, it's oral sex day, right? It's there because it's all part of the growth. So to answer your question about does the penetrative sex ever happen, right? Especially in hetero couplings of surrogates and clients, it can but it doesn't have to. And part of how we understand that, part of how I can explain it, is that the work moves in four phases. And the first phase of SPT, surrogate partner therapy, is the nurturing phase, which is all about communication, trust, attunement with your body, starting to understand how to attune to another person's body. And that starts super slowly, right? And then we move into the sensual phase of the work where we apply some of those mindfulness techniques, those communication techniques, to increasingly sensual touch between surrogate partner and client. So then there is the, like we're doing a caress, a hand caress, a face caress, a frontal caress fully clothed. And we progress up into increasingly sensual touch 
because different things are going to come up in the room. Your baggage is going to show up in different ways at different points in that work. And we want to make sure that we're going nice and slow so that by the time two and a half, three months, four months into the work, when we're asking, are we ready to take clothes off? You can tell in your body, is that something that I want? You have the confidence to say if that's something that you want. You have the trust in me that I'm going to say if that's something that I'm like, all of that groundwork is really juicy and particularly hard for folks who haven't had practice in these kinds of intimate encounters. So it's really necessary. And then the third phase of the work, the sexual phase, we pause and really thoughtfully ask ourselves, is this something that you still want? Often when people arrive at SPT with their therapist, they're like, I want to do the sex. And you're like, okay, right? Sure, you can have your agenda. That's great. My agenda for you, my shadow agenda, is always going to be, I want you to have the confidence and the self-awareness to know what safe and healthy sexual encounters look like and know how to craft them with your future partners. And that I could care less whether that involves erections, whether that involves orgasms. It's all about the healthy communication and feeling safe and confident in your body. So a lot of clients choose not to pursue the more intimate, genitally involved sex, but for some folks, for late in life virgins, for people who've only ever had traumatic sexual experiences, that safe touch experience can be so necessary and really, really valuable. And we get the support from the therapist and we're all going to make this decision together. I don't decide it by myself. Client doesn't decide it by themselves. Therapist doesn't decide it by themselves. We all work to make sure that this feels right and that there's good therapeutic reason behind it. And then the last part is closure because ending a healthy relationship in a healthy way is something that we all need to know how to do because so few of us actually uh, wind up with with our first partner. But the therapist stays on after the surrogate exits gracefully so that they can support that because often for people, especially folks who haven't had safe intimacy before, that's a real loss to say this human arrived in my life provided me with this experience of safe communication, super supported and bolstered healthy intimacy, and now they're gone. And I'm going to have to go out there and recreate that for myself in the wild. So uh, getting the support from the therapist there too. Yeah. So super important. Okay. So Lou, this is such a great, it's a therapy. It's a methodology. It involves so many layers of Mm -hmm. healing and practice. So the question here lies within, so folks might be and I, I was wondering, unless I read the notes, like what kinds of clients come to SPT for support? So please, mm-hmm. can you can you just describe that for the folks listening? Sure, absolutely. Obviously, I didn't get it either. No, I did. <laughs> yeah, it can be a whole spectrum of folks. Really, people come to the work for all kinds of reasons. Some folks have had intense trauma and have thought, I don't think intimacy is for me and then get to a place in their life where they're like, but actually I'm lonely, but actually I'm craving touch. Maybe this is something that I want. And they want to explore that safely. So penis owner or vulva owner though? Are we talking about okay? All of the above. Okay. All of it. Everybody. And I think it's worth noting that, right, I being a cisgendered female wind up working mostly with men, though I'm queer and happy to work with anybody. And one of my colleagues, Brian Gibney, brilliant, fabulous, another co-founder of the Embrace Resource Group, which we could get into later. He works primarily with cisgendered hetero females. And we talk a lot about how different those clients show up for the women coming to the work. Oftentimes it's 
history of trauma. It can also be like physiological pelvic floor challenges, vaginismus, those kinds of things. Like how do I craft a relationship with the kind of healthy communication and slowness where I can show up and ask for what I need? Um, Whereas with, for me, with male clients, often I wind up with folks who are late in life virgins. um, But for what it's worth, we both see a fair amount of people who have significant religious shame, significant self-esteem and body image stuff going on. Um, things that they really perceive as just this huge barrier to intimacy. And, you know, oftentimes our folks come after months and months and months, sometimes years of therapy. And there's a therapist who's like, okay, you just like, we gotta, we gotta get you a win. Like we need to have an experience. And there are people trained to provide that safe experience where you can learn all the pieces of it to really feel like this thing that seems so elusive is all of a sudden possible. And you have the tools. What's up, shameless sex fam? Is your sex life important to you? Hmm. What about your relationships? And also, let me ask you this. Who can relate to this story? Things were once so good in the bedroom with my partner, and now it's a mess, and I don't know what to do. Where's or, my happily ever after, yeah, where's Amy? My ha- yeah, yeah, what about me? Or how about so many aspects of my life are fantastic, but when it comes to sex and relationships, I feel so lost. Yep, been there. Uh, mm-hmm. Me too. Mm-hmm. And this is why you all need Shameless Sex, the, the book. book. We give you simple, simple solutions and a framework that you can use. You can customize it to you. Yes, you gives you the tools, the right tools for your sex and relationship. So you get what you desire and it's fun. It's playful. Right, Amy? We're always playful. It's kind of sexy. And did I mention how easy we make it for you? You have to check out Shameless Sex. Plus the testimonials, they're coming in from everywhere. And this book has helped people just like you recreate and create the sex life of their dreams. So you can do it too. Go to, where are they going, Amy? Shamelesssex.com. Oh, how easy is that? Just go to shamelesssex.com and click on the book, okay? And you can get it however you choose. If you, you want, want it, hardcover, yeah. audio. Hardcover? We got you hardly yeah. covered. <laughs> That's, yeah. So I have a question about if anyone knows about the movie, The Sessions. But so I've worked with people before as a sex and relationship coach who have been on the side of the spectrum of never having experience with, well, having very little sexual experience. And then as they age and, I um, mean, mm-hmm. you know, so, and, and, you know, there's the, I'm doing air quotes right now, everyone, the virgins, uh, because, you know, the, the whole virginity thing, like a barf in my mouth as I say this, but the idea of like, you know, purity and you're you know, all of a sudden you're a man or, or, or if you're a woman, you're unpure because you had sex or whatever. Uh, but like the people who feel like they never had these experiences. So now they're insecure about dating and relating and touching and it may be puritanical bullshit. It is not. Mm-hmm. And even to our, take like for, our like entire culture. Totally. And so for some folks, it's also like not even about the penetration aspect. It's just like having general touch or, or flirting or, mm-hmm. um, you know, communicating in a sensual way or a sexual way or eye contact that might be like connective. And so there's all these things. And so, so I bring it back to, the movie from I don't remember what year it was, but I loved it. And it's called The Sessions with Helen Hunt 
And I remember watching this and just loving the story behind it. And what I recall from watching this was one, there was a rule in it that that she could only do five sessions with or and, and it might be this was a while ago, so I could be wrong, but had a limited amount of intimate sessions that she could do with her client. And part of it was making sure that it didn't turn into this like relationship thing where all of a sudden there was this attachment piece there between the two of, of them working together. I don't remember if there was an outside therapist in that movie either, but what can you say about uh, like what that that depicts of what's really happening now? I'm sure we've evolved since then. Yeah. Was that even what was really happening? Yeah, I think the answer is that's severely dramatized. And while <laughs> I think it's beautiful that they really did focus on the connection, they really did focus on the intimacy piece and didn't get too hung up on PIV, on the like penetration or on the orgasm, which we love. It really is different today, right? And we are surrogate partners, which means we are stand-in partners. We are meant to have a relational trajectory with our clients because every piece of that is relevant, right? When, especially for folks who haven't partnered before going out into the wild and being like, okay, I'm 45 and I need to know how to do this. Every piece of that puzzle has to come together. And so um, typically I run for my clients who I would say complete the work every now and then we get someone who is right experiences a life-changing event or has a real like spike in other mental health challenges where they have to step away in the middle and maybe come back later, maybe not depending on their needs. But for folks who finish the work to the point where they're like, yeah, I'm done. I got what I wanted out of this. Typically between 30 and 50 sessions. Oh, so wow. it's a lot. Oh, it's a okay. lot of time. Yeah. And we go Which is slow. that like a week, like every month? Like, or well, is that yeah, like, It maybe, depends. Yeah. Truly, depends. Wow. there are not that many surrogates in the United States. If you are blessed to be in the same geographic location with a surrogate, the standard model that was originally developed by Masters and Johnson back in, I believe, the 70s, was a weekly setup. But oftentimes we end up doing like a, a long weekend quarterly mm. or folks can do what we call an intensive where you like front load tons of work with your therapist and then you like pack it all into two weeks and like go through this like absolute turbo boosted relationship in you know, 10 to 14 days. But yeah, it's typically quite drawn out over time. Often I run between 18 months and two years um, with a client. And that's one of my biggest complaints about the sessions is because in how they depict it, it is more sex focused, right? Mm -hmm. The very first time she meets this client, she takes her shirt off. It's like, no, would never. <laughs> I think yeah. I went through my notes and looked because I get this question all the time, right? How fast can we move? Maybe I don't need all this work. And the average session for me, where we're asking ourselves, not even necessarily doing it, but asking it for the first time, like, are we ready to start taking off some clothes is typically around session 10, oh. which puts us squarely in like, what is that month three, month four, At least right? And completely. so we take the time to build it up. So we're really ready to answer that question. Honestly, when it comes up, are we ready for this? Is this what I want right now? Does that feel comfortable? Okay. So Lou, so set the scene because... When, if you have folks, you work with folks of all different, like whether they have disabilities or they mm -hmm. have um, immense trauma, like there are so many ends of the spectrum. So are you in a room with the clients? Do you go to their homes? Like, can you kind of set the scene? And then how do you tackle the shame around sex and their bodies? It has to be it's endless. so real. 
Yeah. So depending on where clients are, it can be any amount of sometimes we go into their home. Sometimes we meet at a neutral place, a hotel, an Airbnb, whatever. I personally have a home office that I work in with folks when that feels better, which can be really helpful to have a place, especially for people with trauma. We're like, I am not ready to have somebody in my house yet. And eventually we can transition to that. What does this feel like? How does this Mm -hmm. feel different to invite intimacy into your space? Learn so much about people from being in their homes, truly. Yeah. But with regards to the shame, I feel like I have three major strategies about tackling shame with clients. Um, The first is to really let ourselves lean in while we're doing history taking and getting to know each other and building trust, digging into what are the messages you got from your family about bodies and about sex? What are the narratives you feel like you've sucked in consciously, unconsciously from the culture about bodies, about sex, about your particular body, right? Whether you are a heavier person, whether you are a person with specific marginalized identities and how does that show up in whether or not you feel like sex is something I have access to. Sex is something I am quote unquote allowed to do, expected to do. And in what way am I expected to do it? And we really help build awareness around what's been influencing that shame. The second piece is we model how to not only have sort of pride and celebration for our own bodies, but also how to receive it, which I think is very hard for a lot of folks. And we celebrate people's bodies. I mean, truly TMI moment. I know these are your favorite stories. I love TMI moments. Yes. I was with a client to set the stage, a client who had never been seen naked in front of anyone in their adult life other than their doctor. And so we're over time, long, 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 long trajectory of the work took so much time to get to close off, took so much time to get to cuddling, to touch. So at this point we are easily a year or more into the work and we're in the sexual phase of the work and we're doing parallel masturbation. And we're talking about like, okay, talk to me about what feels good to you. Teach me about your body. It's this beautiful session. And he comes and gets semen on his stomach without even thinking about it. Slurp it right up. Like, Oh, well, here we go. This is what you did or you did. I did. You did. Oh my God. I love this story. The best part (laughs) is like, it's a celebration to say like, this is part of what it means to feel that someone is delighting in your pleasure. And obviously not generalizable for all partners, but to really show up for folks in a way to say, I want to celebrate you. And when you have pleasure, it's joyous for me. And when you can drop the shame, it's, it's a delight. And then I get turned on because you're turned on and it becomes this positive feedback loop. And how do we how do we delight in I that? I bet that changed oh my God, this that so person's awesome. life yeah. <laughs> so fucking hardcore. That's amazing. I, so thank you. I have two That's questions amazing. about this. This so the story, Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. This is like the highlight of our day over here. So, okay, two questions. Number one, do you all do like STI testing before? And like, so to know that like, it's a, if you feel safe to slurp yeah, up. What about going to their homes? Well, like, well, that too. Also yeah. like the consent and safety piece of you're going to their home or them going to yeah. your home. Like, like how, how is, how do we know how, how safe all of this is. I'm sure you all are taking extra precautions from your own body as a therapist to their own bodies feeling safe, like they're safe for having you in their home or you going to their home or vice versa. But that could all, it all trickles down to people feeling more comfortable, like yeah. reaching out to folks. Yeah. Such as like SPT folk, like therapists, professionals like yourself. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Two parts. 
I suspect you might end up sticking this somewhere else, just for a side note. <laughs> but uh, I think it's important to note that most surrogate partners are not therapists. I happen uh-huh. to be one of the weirdos in the field who does both. Love good Never weirdo. for the same clients. That would <laughs> yeah. be wildly inappropriate and would yeah. completely sacrifice the benefit of having a third party. So most surrogate part, I mean, the folks who went through my training with me in 2015, we had a postal worker, we had, you know, people in IT, we had people who were teachers, right, are just average folks who have had their own journeys about safe and healthy sex and have realized like, oh, I've come in contact with a surrogate partner somewhere, learned about surrogate partner therapy, saw the sessions and realized, shit, I could be part of supporting people learning how to do safe and healthy intimacy with each other. Um, So that's a side note about therapists and surrogates. Um, But to answer your question about safety, yes, for sure, STI tests. And part of that is even folks who are really anxious about it, we're like, this process of surrogate partner therapy is you getting indoctrinated into all of the pieces of being a healthy and sexually active adult. And absolutely, there are some folks who are like, I'm going to save the sexually active piece for later, for sure, not mandatory. But for a lot of folks, it's where we start building those skills and getting your STI test regularly is part of those skills, right? Learning about how do I have an authentic negotiation with someone where we talk about What's your status? When's the last time you got tested? What kinds of barriers feel comfortable? That's part of it. And so we have those conversations with people organically, just like we would with partners in the wild, right? To Mm -hmm. teach how do we do that? And if people are like, that conversation made me so anxious, like, okay, we'll do it again next week. We'll just keep doing it until, until it starts to feel a little more natural, until you find language that feels right for you. And if it takes two months for you to work up the courage and get the right self-regulation of your anxiety to go to the doctor and speak to another adult in the public sphere. I'm going to be having sex and I need an STI test. And great. We're here to support you with that so that that can become more comfortable and you can be more ready uh, when we get, get to that point. It's like the sex education that we all could have used. We started having sex. When I say we all like if we had consensual sex, everyone, uh, but like the, you know, the age when we started having consensual sex, that was some form of like touching some genitals. We could have used some education about how to do STI testing, when to do it, how often to do it. And then also all the pieces that you're talking about, consent and safety, because I'm sure it's not just like, so, hey, next session, I'm coming to your house. It's more like when you, the client decides when that feels safe for them, you to come there. And what, so they're essentially, ultimately, the guide is what I'm hearing. And you're also a guide following their guidance, but you're following their thread. And then there's another therapist there that's supporting the whole process, which if we could have all had this when we were like 13, holy shit. Okay. And (laughs) what if, if someone gets diagnosed with an STI, Mm -hmm. we also have, that is mitigated through there's like at least a knowing and both parties, you can address that as it comes because that's something we never talk about. Like, Oh, we talk about getting STI screenings all the time, Mm -hmm. but what if you're your partner and, and you can probably, if you've ever had that as, as Lou, as a professional, like if that comes up, what do you do? 
right? Yeah, oh, that, we a, never talk about that. If you have that. a client that has an STI, yeah, if you have a client, you're no, like, we, okay. we talk about that often with with sex questions with people who my, a partner has an STI, and I don't know how to navigate. But not with that. people like if you're flowing. We always talk about with with your free dating, like what to do. Oh, you I, mean like with a professional? I would like to know if I was out there, like, and I was someone that wasn't sexually like. And Lou, sorry that I didn't mean to throw this at you, but I, it is a good question because STIs yeah. are so they're 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 not rampant. I'm not like trying to like plug fear, but they're <laughs> they're fucking out there. And they're out so, there. Yeah. They're out there. So uh if that does happen, especially with folks that maybe haven't been tested a lot or aren't privy to being sex positive, is there something that you would suggest? Obviously there's no shame when those things arise if you test positive, but yeah, what do you what how would you say what would you say to a client? How would you have them address those those things if if it did come up. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is gonna be a moment of vulnerability and courage. I'm gonna go ahead and out myself on an on a podcast. I am a person who is HSV2 positive, right? And as a professional that is in a field where sexual contact can happen with folks, it comes up. And the reality is is like so many people have HSV that it's like, okay, so how do we have this talk? And it's always a moment to say, even though it is often the hardest session for me as a person, because I'm like, oh, I'm bringing my vulnerability. And it's, it is like, there is shame. Even those of us who are professionals, like, I hate having this fucking conversation with people. And also to say like, well, what happens in the wild if you, if you fall for someone, if you really like somebody and you get to this part of the conversation, this is what it is. And like, thankfully, as a professional, I'm equipped with resource sheets and here are your links and I'm on Valsiclavir and let's talk about percentages. And we do that. And it's a really beautiful coordination with the therapist too, because while people are like, sometimes I, sometimes clients have really big feelings about this. And you say like, this is just like any other relationship. So let's say you have to navigate this they get really real with, am I comfortable with a 2% risk? Am I comfortable with a 1% or a half percent risk? And what does it mean to take that on? And like getting so absolutely deep and real about informed consent, but also sharing the real true story, which I could go on forever about this. Bring it. I am a person <laughs> who's never had an outbreak. So I am an asymptomatic carrier, but because I'm a professional, I press the medical team to be like, no, really test me for fucking everything, not just your standard panel, everything, everything. And it was like, oh, so now I'm more knowledgeable and better equipped than the average person who tests negative for everything, quote unquote. And right. What does that mean to sit yeah. with that and to be like, yeah, I do carry the stigma now. But also if I had never pressed for a testing, I would just be going around as an asymptomatic care and I'd be more dangerous to you than I am now. And to really help people understand the nuance of safe sex practices, which is I'm sure you can imagine for folks who are new to partnering or like, this is so much. And it's like, yes, take your time now, process it with me, process it with your therapist now so that when it's time for you to have those conversations in the wild with your prospective partners, you have the confidence to ask the questions you need to ask. And you have already thought about what kind of risk feels right. If that makes sense. Fuck totally. yeah, dude, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. I 
Time for a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors who just so happens to be our absolute favorite lube, UberLube. UberLube is a luxurious silicone lubricant and it enhances intimacy. It's there when you want it and it blends in when you're done with it. So you have control over that lube. It's long lasting and leaves the skin extra velvety. And honestly, y'all, I want it all over my body. Thousands of doctors in the U.S. are recommending UberLube to their patients. It's body-friendly, less likely to change the pH, and it has vitamin E, so it feels extra moisturizing. There's a reason why we've been a fan of UberLube for years. There's no flavor or scent. It's even great for oral sex, everyone. But it's not just great for sex. You can use it for massage, your hair. You can prevent chafing. It even brings out the colors of your beautiful tattoos. And the bottle is absolutely gorgeous. It looks more like a cosmetic, so you can leave it anywhere shamelessly for easy access. Just go to uberlube.com and use the discount code SHAMELESS10 to get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com right now with code SHAMELESS10 for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is also brought to you by OMGS.com. Join over 1 million people who are experiencing more pleasure with OMGS. They take scientific research of thousands of vulva owners showing techniques to pleasure that pussy. They turn this research into tasteful educational short videos, animated modules, and infographics. OMGS is for anyone who wants to learn about vulva pleasure or take it to the next level. Want to take your orgasms from good to out of this world? Then check out OMGS. Or if you're a vulva lover and want to up your pussy pleasuring skills, then you need to check out OMGS. I've personally been recommending OMGS to my clients for years, and it's completely changed their lives. They have three seasons, external pleasure, internal pleasure, and sex toys. It's not a subscription service, and you don't need to download a thing. OMGS also makes a fabulous gift, and your purchase supports more pleasure research. So just go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Again, that's omgs.com shameless to receive 10% off unlimited access towards enhancing your pleasure power. The link is in the episode's description. One gen, um, um, gen, genitally, I guess she's got uh, on the, her bits. So, yes, yeah, I was seventeen. Yeah. Like, I, and I thought I was doomed. I thought I never could have relationships right. with people. And we talk a lot about STI prevention on the show, and, and but we, we have man, we have some management stuff, but like management yeah. too. But we never like whenever we talk about like with sex workers, we don't get into like, well, yes, do you have like STI prevention? Like the, or, or like read safer sex or, elevator speech yeah. conversation. Yes. Yeah. But then what happens if someone does have an STI? What do you do? We don't talk a lot about that. And I, I was actually thinking that the other day when we were talking about the elevator speech thing, when I was reading, I was like, well, what if someone does say they have something? Then what? Like, because I, I was approaching relationships with that and I was too ashamed to say anything about it. So I that, never oh, that did. You had, you, that you yeah. had. Because herpes, it wasn't yeah. okay for me. For mm-hmm. it, at, Now it is. Now I feel like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not, not the plague. Broken. I'm not, yes, I'm and not the plague. Are, like, and people, people are sex positive and equipped and, and have more tools. And, and so, and I'm, so I'm, I, so I have herpes on my mouth from making out with some guy, you know who you are. He probably not, I don't know if he's listening, but he had a sun blister on his lip in Hawaii. And uh, it's just a sun blister and then just massive outbreak. So I did that the opposite. Not, well, I did what April did, didn't share with people because I just thought, 
oral oral cold sores that's just like a normal thing. No one no one would say they don't want to make out with me because they hear about that. And then I learned later that it's actually important for me to give them the right to share that mm-hmm. so they can choose. So we April and I have similar stories. It's just yours was was shame and mine was more like actually just not even giving people the right to to choose for themselves. Uh, most of them still said, yes, they wanted to make out with me when I started saying that. But at any rate, I mean, it's important information to share and a hard conversation to have. And I love that what you're talking about is modeling how to do all of these things that we learned in, if you got lucky, comprehensive sex education in, in you know, junior high, high school or like sixth grade. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, it was mostly just like, don't do these things or get these things because then it will be a problematic. So I have a question about kind of some of the pieces that like the tools and the toolkit, like our, our listeners love some tools. I'm ready. All right. So are there any tools in the surrogate partner toolbox that you might know of that people can apply to their sex life now? Like say someone is maybe thinking about wanting to work with a sexual surrogate. Oh, sorry. I said that wrong already. It's a, 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 a did I say it right? Sexual surrogate, surrogate partner. Surrogate partner therapy. There you go. Uh, yeah. They're, so they're, so like they're at home now. They're not working with you or someone yet. What are some of the tools that they can apply now to work with their own experience, body, mind, being, et cetera? Sure, sure. I actually, I had listened to your episode with Dr. Allie just the other day and was like, oh gosh, we're all on the same page. This is beautiful because we do a lot of work with what we call in the surrogate partner therapy field, sensate focus, but it's this touch mindfulness that teaches us how to track when I'm in my head versus in my body, how to really give myself permission to explore what feels good to my body versus what's curious, what's playful, what's maybe kind of squicking me out. No, thank you. Right. How do you get attuned to that? And then how do you invite yourself to really become a pleasure focused body? And so regard, if you are with a partner doing those kinds of like, let's just do hand massages or let's do, I just want to touch you non-goal oriented, right? Can really help us be in that space. But even if you're not a partnered person doing some, what I might even call like sensory resourcing, like how do I surround myself with like pillows that feel really nice or the sense that I like, or noticing as I move through the world, actually, I wear this shirt all the time, but I fucking hate it because it has the seam that itches my shoulder, right? Just bringing awareness into your body because that's such a huge piece of showing up authentically for healthy intimacy. I know I alluded already a little bit to the non-goal oriented sexual playfulness. And I think truly with every couple, there is not enough to be said for inviting sexual energy without any expectation of where it's going to go. And what does it mean to really play, play for two minutes in the kitchen, play for three minutes in the hallway, just invite the energy and know that that energy doesn't mean somebody's dick needs to be hard. Somebody's pussy needs to be wet. Somebody needs to get off. This is not what that means, right? It's a way for you to connect. And if you have touched that energy, that spark in a way that feels good in your body and is consensual with somebody and brought you joy, fucking win. You did it. Good work. Right. And how to really embrace that to start pulling those narratives out of our sex. Like nobody gets to tell you how to have sex. You decide how you want to have sex. Right. And so it's really starting to tease it out in these small ways. And then my very, very, very favorite, my favorite session of every surrogate partner 
client that I've ever had is the session where we do, we call it a mirror meditation. And in that, the surrogate partner kicks it off, but we each take a turn um, where you get naked and one person is just witnessing, not commenting, not sharing, not supporting, just witnessing. And you get naked in front of a mirror and you start from head to toe and tell all of the stories of your body. And so you tell the stories about the cowlick in your hair that your mom had a little nursery rhyme about. And you tell the story about your furry eyebrows that you explored tweaking when you were a teenager and how terrible it was and the ears that stick out that people make fun of you. And you really give each other the whole story of your body because there is this moment of like, oh shit, you bring all of that with you every time you're naked with me. That's so vulnerable, all of that that you carry. And it gives us really at a window into our partner's sense of self physically, sense of physical self, so that we know how to show up and be tender with each other. Like, which things can I celebrate that I know feel just absolutely saucy and wonderful to you? And which things can I be really careful with and tender with? Because I know that you were teased for all of middle school about this part of your body and like how, how beautiful that is. Like what a sense of empathy to generate with each other. Just that's, Yeah. That's, that's, that's so, so good. I, I, it's amazing. It's uh, it just like, I'm out of it. I, I'm that. just, yeah, I'm just like blown away. We've talked about mirror work, but not when you were saying, that, I was like, Oh yeah, mirror work. I was like, wait, this is a whole different level. So they're, they're in front of the mirror. You're mm-hmm. witnessing, they're talking to themselves in mm-hmm. the mirror and going through their whole body, positive, negative, neutral, whatever's coming up saying that, and you're just witnessing. Yeah. Usually the surrogates will go first okay, just you're to like model, modeling. like okay. this is what, what we're looking at. And then when we switch it around, whoo, yeah. people are like, holy camoli, you go, you want me to tell you all of that? All yeah. of that about me? But that, <laughs> that's so, so deep, Lou. It's so deep. And yeah, what is that amazing. experience to someone to say, I can share my biggest body shame with you. I can share my most absolutely embarrassing body thoughts with you and to have you stay and to have you say, God, that was so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Like, what does it mean to be that raw with somebody and to have the experience of them staying present, staying safe and really fucking seeing you? Yeah. Oh my big God. stuff. So yeah. that's what I think that's the important question. If you are in relationship or you're in maybe a partnership that you're uncertain of, or maybe you're looking for partnership. This is a tip that I think could be applied to any level of humanity, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. per se, right? If you're just bearing witness to yourself or your partner, if like, I would love if I could be that vulnerable. I know I could, but if my partner could be that vulnerable with me, I don't know if he could. I don't know. Like I would ask him if you want. Well, I know you would. (laughs) Um, There's no, but I I mean, that can be hard for people and and from people from different areas of the world that being that raw and vulnerable can be really difficult. And I'm going to think about that myself because I don't know if I'm ready to get that moment, but I want to, I want to. So thank you. I'm going to plant that seed in my own brain and let that, like, I know I'm, I'm shameless, but like, holy shit, if I had to delve deep into like some of the things that we're, I've thought about myself for a while, I'd be like, oh my God. We, so by the, for, for the record, we're shameless with shame. It does not mean that we don't have shame or we oh don't have God. never had shame or we don't continue to Absolutely have not. shame. 
it means that our work is to work with the shame. So, mm-hmm. And I'm working on it every day. Yeah, that doesn't just go away. Yeah. Shit no. doesn't just go away. Yeah. So thank you. That yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. I really like transcended. I really want to know about that. So I think this is because you said, Lou, how people can like, and we'll get to how they can find access to you. But like you said, you're only in like, if you're lucky enough to live in select cities, you know, like how it is, it, is this work just like an, something that if you live in San Francisco, Portland, New York, and then you can actually do this work, does insurance pay for it? You know, like what if I'm someone and I have, I don't have any money and I live in, where's some place in like the Midwest that I would. Well, I was about to come to the Midwest. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I was thinking of the Midwest. Nebraska, I live in, I live in Iowa, in the middle of nowhere in Iowa. And mm-hmm, I'm like, mm-hmm. I need this. What what are what could be in California? Could be in Fresno. I live in Fresno. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What do I do? I would say uh, right now there's I don't quote me uh, somewhere between two hundred and three hundred surrogates in the whole U.S. Like there's just not not a ton of us out there, and a lot of folks because I could you imagine doing this work full time? Like just having an entire you? It's so much intimacy. It's so much vulnerability. It's way too much, and so. Almost all surrogates are doing this as a as a part-time job. I know I keep typically a caseload of two or three people max, right? So there is that piece of there aren't many of us. We are scattered. You know, there's like a surrogate in Florida, right? There are three of us that serve the D.C. area, right? Like there's, we get enclaves, right? We um, need more. <laughs> we need more, yeah. truly, truly. And so... Uh, especially when it comes to financial accessibility in the field, especially like my generation of surrogate partners, we're much more socially justice minded. We're much more politically savvy. I think no offense to the OGs. We appreciate you and all the work that you've done in the field. And, and it's real to say, what does it mean that the field of surrogate partners, like most surrogates are white. Right. That's not cool. We want to do some work to change that. There are tons of people who can't access the work. It's never covered by insurance. Even if your therapist is covered by insurance, the surrogate partner is not covered by insurance. How do we do that? Um, Right now, the Embrace Resource Group, we are blossoming. Myself and three fellow surrogate partners have started this group to really raise awareness about the field of surrogate partner therapy and elevate the discussions around how do we make it accessible? How do we make sure that people have the best knowledge that surrogates are as knowledgeable as they can be? Therapists have access to us and other somatic healthy sex practitioners um, to help that dialogue happen. Um, and as part of that work, we are in the seedling stages of starting fundraising um, for two purposes. And number one is to diversify the field by supporting trans folks, queer folks, BIPOC folks in becoming trained surrogate partners, sending them to some of the training sources that are out there and functional already, and also really exploring subsidizing the work for people because it, it can you imagine therapy is already super expensive oh, yeah, and surrogates mm-hmm. charge what is their like local comparative price to the therapists that are there. So typically people are paying about the same amount for their therapist as their surrogate and you're doing two at the same time, both of us. It's a lot right? It's a lot to take on. And so what does it mean to not only do sliding scale work, but for people who really can't afford to offer as much as a surrogate needs, like how, how are we going to fund it? 
how are we going to make sure that there, we have like a collective pot so we can do support something the work? like right now like like a you can just start like a Kickstarter, like everybody Wait, has a Kickstarter. Well, we can all like, start this. A like seedling, we, we yes. Smoke this left and right. I, we're, I think I'll it. tell you what, you've you've driven me. I will, I will promise to have a place for that to land before this airs. You got two so weeks. We can, I got yeah, two weeks. weeks. I'm gonna make but, it happen. But and then I, we'll continue. We can put because, it out there. Yeah, and we'll continue because this is something that we both, he, April and I, both really truly absolutely. believe in bringing. Like we've been preaching that everyone should get therapy in general, as easy access to it at least. And now we're talking about surrogate therapy, which it goes hand in hand with shameless sex. So like, let us be here to contribute I, to we that. We will donate whatever, money. How, how about we we will donate? We'll figure, at yeah, least, we'll, figure out a like, we'll donate two hundred fifty dollars to you whenever you launch your new. Ooh. Uh, that I'm that to yeah. be said, and then and then we'll figure out a campaign for everyone that yes. gives us, us money for something. You get something special. For yes, us. we don't know what it is, but it's important. <laughs> and I think, like, th- just to start off, like you know, because this stuff it's takes important. so it's much. So important, and it also takes people knowing about it that it exists. So this is a platform where everyone can understand the safety, the measures, the actual passion that's involved, the actual necessity that's involved in this. There's not only empathy that goes into this because empathy is, of course, it's it's nurtured by the humans that are involved, but it takes people's will to understand that it is safe because that is something when I, I grew up in the Midwest, like Amy is always like the Midwest. I was like, yeah, I always... I say that because people didn't have... Like you're I'm thinking about didn't have safety access. all the time. Yeah. I don't, and I don't. And I was like, I think the first thing I'd be like, if I were a person and and I may be that person, you never know. I, I'm so happy that I, there are people out there doing this work. But if I needed this work, that would be the first thing that I would one wonder like how safe is it and i love that you and how do i access it can i access and it where can i find it can i afford it but i would think things. about safety because this person yeah. gonna try to kill me yeah i'd be like oh my god i don't know that's and that's real so amy and i come from different worlds but i think that you brought everything home in terms of like how actually wonderful it is and how much of a necessity it is for the world so mm-hmm. thank you lou thank you thank you yeah yeah. Thank oh, you two so much for having me. It was so a how pleasure. How can people find you and work with you, though? Sorry, we didn't even get there. We, how, oh, how beautiful. Can they find uh, you, work with you, like all all of the things. I think it's me up in about two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so to find me and my fellow surrogates that are the core of the Embrace Resource Group, you can go to our website www.embracespt.org. You can check out some of. We have our own little mini podcast of us just shooting the shit about SPT and helping to teach people about what it is. There's also lots of videos up. There's a beautiful video of a surrogate on This Is Life with Lisa Ling doing the mirror meditation with one of her prior clients. Absolutely stunning. So there's good resources there. And that's also where you'll be able to find our fundraising. So that's embracespt.org. Lou, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You really went deep into other questions that I had, and I like I really value everything that you're doing. I know Amy does too. We both were like, oh yeah, super excited about it. And yeah. I like like but... like I was like 
I think you can like just like have so much joy about something that someone's doing. Like, well, now we have a new mission. Like April and I have like 20 projects already. And we're like, okay, so we just found something else that we want to like, you know, support in some way, shape or form. So we are dead serious about to yeah. all you listeners listening to us. that just, just know that in future episodes, we're going to be promoting and doing some sort of work to promote this work, but the embrace, uh, embrace, what, SPT. what was the company called? Embrace, mm, the embrace, embrace resource group. Em- yeah. Embrace resource group because this is this speaks to our hearts. So um yeah, if you get sick of it, too bad. Or and you feel like empowered to like reach out and become one of these amazing practitioners. Yeah. Reach out. And I'm sure you have resources on your website or on that website. Are there absolutely are there... the okay, Embrace good. Resource Group also hosts a bi-weekly somatic sexuality professionals zoom meeting where we get together get a jam session share about the tools in our toolbox help each other sort out do like case consultations because we need each other in the field it can get so lonely especially when you're on the fringes of what people feel like is right professional acceptable to be people who can show up and be passionate about what we do together is so valuable so therapists Somatica workers, sexual body workers, sexological body workers, all welcome. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Lou. Thank you. And to all of our shameless sex revolutionaries, thank you for just being badass human beings on planet Earth. We're all living here together. Whatever continent you're listening on, we love you. Ah, Amy, I love you too. I love you too, Chase. I love you too, Lou. We love you too, Lou. Love you, ladies. (laughs) All are amazing. Remember, we drop a new episode every single week. That's every Tuesday. Go ahead. Just listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, but all the things. Just review us as well. Give us five stars. It helps people find amazing humans like Lou. And people need to find people like Lou because that's what the that's the world world needs. Us it's and Lou and all of it. Come yeah. on, we're gonna yeah. do it. And we're it's gonna free. do it together. Y'all, I just want to say this: this it is, is a free. free. We knew this. I don't know if maybe you're paying to listen to this episode. Don't pay. But don't pay. You don't have to. But we have advertisers here for that reason, and that's we hand select our advertisers. We're very particular, and so we do that so that this can be free. We're very particular about our guests, and so we have guests like Lou and everyone else that we have in our show. We hand choose them because we believe in their work. So thank you so much for listening and loving our work, and for loving us. Because we're chip and dip forever. And that's it. That's all we got for now. We have more stuff. But how? what else do we say? So we say ciao for now. And we'll see you next Tuesday, y'all. Also known as cunt. Hi, I did it again. Oh, all right. All right. That was just just special for Lou. All right. We'll Uh, see you next Tuesday. For real. Bye, everyone. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com and for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.